0: It's always good, and it's always, always, always good to come together to sing about heaven, to sing about the place that we long to be, and when this life is over, we'll look back with a distant memory, if we have a memory at all, of the things that we've endured in this life, and we'll be appreciative, more so than ever before, of the great God that we are privileged to serve. But in order to serve our God, there are certain things that are necessary for us to do. One of the things that we talked about in our Bible class this morning was that love is an action verb. And it requires of us to do something. To repent of our sins, to live in a righteous manner, and to sacrifice ourselves. And in essence, to be with Jesus Christ and to be with Christ in the way that we conduct ourselves and the way that we live. And I want to talk tonight about that phrase, with Christ, what that means. And I invite you to open your Bibles to Romans chapter 5, verse 12, where we'll start in just a moment. As was mentioned by Brother David, we are very thankful to have visitors with us. Thank you for being an encouragement to us. And for being so excited about the Lord's work, not just here at Northfield Boulevard, but more in general. That when you are traveling and visiting your family, you still make it a priority to worship the Lord on the first day of the week. That is a testimony to your faith, and that is a very good sign. I want us to start in Romans chapter 5 and verse 12 here in just a moment. And I want us to explore four things of what it means to be with Christ. There are certain phrases that we use In spiritual or Bible or church talk. And one of those is with Christ. We use that phrase frequently to identify a couple of different things. The phrase is used around a dozen times in the Bible. And I want us to talk about a few of those this evening. I want us to start first with this. And that is when we talk about being with Christ. The scriptures remind us that that tells us that we are to die to self. And to die to sin. We agree as we prayed together tonight. And I appreciate David leading us in prayer and making the statements that he made. That sin is a universal problem for all humans. All humans will at some point, unless they do not live to the age of maturity, will be impacted by sin. And you can make the argument that even if a child... ...never sins, he's still feeling the impact of sin in a brutal world where sin entered the world or where others have sinned and they are damaged as a result of the the mistakes and the poor choices of others. That being said, let's clear up one thing very quickly, that the religious world seems to get wrong and that we want to make sure that we get right. Not so that we are right and they're wrong but so that we are on the Bible side of things and not on the error side of things. And that is in Romans chapter 5, we don't share the same sin as Adam and Eve, the idea of inherited or original sin. It is true that you and I suffer because of Adam and Eve in a number of different ways. It is true that their choice thousands of years ago still impacts us today. But in Romans chapter 5 and verse 12, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, Because all sinned. If you like underlining things in your Bible, you might underscore because all sinned. It's not because Adam sinned and it's not because Eve sinned that I'm going to have to stand before God on the day of judgment. It is ultimately because of my choice to do right or do wrong that I will stand before him. This is why we, as members of the Lord's Church, do not practice infant baptism. We believe that infants, we believe that young children, we believe that people who have mental uh, problems with their capacity, with maybe they are older but they only have the education of a first or a second grader, that they are not subject to baptism in the way that the majority of individuals are once we get to that age where we are accountable for our actions. The fact is, is children who are even here tonight, I would say, they, they're probably in their own little world. However, children do listen. And I found out this morning that an 8-year-old took away from my sermon that we can no longer eat bacon. So let's clear that up real quickly here, because I know what I want to eat tomorrow. No, I'm kidding. But the fact of the matter is, is kids do listen. And they absorb more than what we think they absorb, don't they? They're pretty uh, spectacular sponges. But the fact is, is we could all quote Romans 3, verse 23. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We talked about that verse Wednesday evening, did not we not, in the invitation talk? And that each of us have sinned. We know that sin is a serious problem as outlined in Romans 6, 23 or in James chapter 1, verse 15. And so... That tells me that putting sin to death is an appropriate and a strong way of looking at the subject of dying to sin. Well, let's go back to the heart of the text where we began tonight in Romans chapter 6. And when we think about dying to sin is a part of dying to Christ or dying with Christ... We go back to Romans 6, verses 5 through 11. We're not going to reread those verses that our brother Ken read for us a few moments ago. But one of the points that we would make from that particular text is in verse 6, is that sin should be a part of our old life, not a part of our future life, and certainly not a part of our present life. Sin is to be a thing that we leave in the past and no longer return to it in the future. Easier said than done. And I appreciated the humility of the prayer in which we were led tonight because we acknowledge that we do sin. We talked in our Bible class this morning that we sin on a continual basis, that it's so routine for us to make those mistakes and to do those things that displease our God. But what happens here in verse 6 is he says knowing that our old man was crucified with him that the body of sin might be done away with that we should no longer be slaves of sin. And then if you drop down one verse or two verses to verse 8 if we died with Christ there's the phrase with Christ we died with Christ we believe that we also shall live with Christ or live with him. This reminds me of a passage in the book of Galatians, and some of you are already thinking about Galatians chapter 2. If not, you are now, because that's where we're going to turn. But in Galatians chapter 2, in verse 20, the Bible reads the following. He says, I, Paul speaking to the Galatian Christians, says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Very clearly there, if you're looking for the phrase, we're going to highlight it about six to seven times tonight. He says, I have been crucified with Jesus Christ. You and I, when we went down into the waters of baptism, we were saying, I'm willing to be crucified with Jesus I want to die with Jesus. I want to die with my sins so that I can allow not only a crucifixion to transpire, but I want to allow Him to take over. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 20 similarly teaches on this subject. Just a few pages over in your Bibles. And it says, Therefore, if you died with Christ... If you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, why, as though living in the world, do you subject yourself to regulations? Now, certainly this is in the context of the legalism uh, of the first century Christians and some of the people at Colossae who were getting a little bit misled or maybe a lot misled by some of those principles. But the fact of the matter is, is Christ enabled the death, quote, from the basic principles of the world. You and I have died to the basic principles of the world. It's interesting if you think about, do a study of the things that we've died to. What have we died to? Well, we've died to the old man, died to the old ways, to sin. But we have also died to the basic principles of the world. We said, I'm no longer concerned with the basic principles of the world. As we said in our sermon this morning, life about earth, life on earth is not really about life on earth. I mean, it is, but it's not. It is in the sense that we must live for Christ but not in the sense that this is the totality of who we are. And this is the important thing is the how much money I make or how many friends I have or how much influence I may have on others. I made reference to the legalistic appeal but I want to go back to verse 14 where he says, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. This legalistic appeal to the law that these first century Christians were struggling with remained entangled with all of its requirements. And so let's acknowledge that that it's impossible to be with Jesus Christ while also being associated with sin. That's one of the reasons that we strive to sin so uh, so rarely, is because we've identified ourselves with Jesus. We want to make sure that we are on fire for Him and to do what He's asked us to do. So, number one, when we talk about with Christ, it reminds us that we are dying to sin. Secondly. It reminds us of the importance of having a different perspective on life. And I talked about that just a moment or so ago. But I want to look at Romans chapter 6. We're going to spend significant time there. But I want to go back to the first three or four verses of Romans chapter 6. This is a text that is likely familiar to you. uh, Especially verses 3 and 4 where it talks about baptism. But in verse 1, he says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus, there's that concept again, into Jesus, were baptized into his death, therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead, By the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. We understand from this passage and from a number of others that dying with Christ is followed by rising with him. That's in and of itself one of the reasons why Jesus sanctioned the first day of the week for us to come together to worship him and to remember his resurrection. It's important to remember his death. It's important to remember his burial. But it is especially important to remember that that's not the end of the story. Because that's a story that in and of itself is insignificant. People are born, people die, people are buried quite frequently. But only one person raises himself from the dead. And as we said just a week or so ago, that Christianity is the only religion wherein you have the empty tomb. And as someone said, if you can show me the body of Jesus or show me the tomb of Jesus where there are bones there remaining and say, well, he didn't raise from the dead, then this is all for nothing. But we are here for something that is big. We are to, according to Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, be raised with Christ, which means we are to seek different things. What does that mean? It means that we change what we think about. It means we don't plan on going back. And thirdly, it means that we seek security and protection from Christ. I want to read those verses here rather quickly and then go on to our third major observation. But those verses are so wonderful in Colossians chapter 3 that I want us to read them. If then you were raised with Christ, there's the phrase... Seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. As good Bible students, you know that there's a lot about with Christ in the book of Colossians. Because the book of Colossians is, by far, without a doubt, the most Christ-centered, focused epistle in all the New Testament. But these are things that we seek because we have a different perspective on life. Thirdly, when we think about what it means to be with Christ, what that phrase teaches us in the New Testament, because obviously it's only in the New Testament, it reminds us that we get to share with His great blessings. This is one of my favorite points of the entire sermon. Not because I wrote it, but because of what it teaches us. People will sometimes compliment me and say, thank you for that sermon or whatever. And I I typically preach things that I need to hear things that I've studied that have impacted me that I want to share with someone else. And this third point is probably one of my favorite in the entire study tonight. That while we recognize the superiority of Christ, it's fitting for us to recognize the incredible place that He allows us to be. Jesus is way up here and we are way down here. We all acknowledge that. We acknowledge that He is all-powerful and that we are very little compared to Him. That being said... Jesus basically takes us from a place where we are low and raises us up to a place where he says, come sit with me, come be with me, be forgiven, be holy as I am holy, as the scriptures teach. Well, go back a couple of pages in your Bibles to the book of Ephesians chapter 2 and let's read beginning in verse 4. It says, God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us, there it is again, in Christ Jesus. The fact is... Is we are, if we were to outline this particular text, we are told that we are made alive together. We are told that we are raised up together. And then we are made to sit together. I love the word together that is used there on those different occasions in chapter 2 verses 4 through 7. Because we are a community of believers. And we need each other. And we do desperately want the fellowship that comes as a result of our relationship vertically with God and horizontally with each other. It means that we get to share with His great blessings. God has, uh, Himself, puts us in a place of incredible importance relative to Jesus. One of my favorite passages is Romans chapter 8, particularly verse 17 We made reference to Romans chapter 8, and I talked about the positive nature of the text in our Wednesday night class when we were looking at the providence of God in the days of Joseph and his brothers and his father. But there in verse 16, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if we are children, that's you, that's me. It's not just some abstract group of people, that's us. We as children, we are heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Again, there are certain things that you just want to put a bright line around and say, that's big, that's important. And when I read this particular text, it says that we are joint heirs with Christ. No, we are not perfect like Christ. We are not as holy as Christ was. We are certainly not sinless as Christ was. But God comes along by way of the Holy Spirit and He says, you are going to be joint heirs with Jesus Christ. I don't know any other way to take that than to take that at face value, that we are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. In that we live abundantly as a result of His kindness. We are heirs and joint heirs with Christ. Now there is a condition that is placed. Did you see the condition there in verse 17? The condition is that we are willing to suffer. And go and read 1 Peter chapters 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5 and you'll see a lot about suffering because those early Christians had to learn that lesson the hard way. As we said this morning, we learn that lesson sometimes because of the way people talk about us or talk to us or talk behind our back. But generally speaking, none of us are threatened because of our faith. And we live in a free country. And we live actually in a world that the majority of the world is free to worship how they want. And for that, we are thankful. The result of all this is that we are glorified, there it is, together. You see, we are going to go to heaven and see one another. And how we're going to know one another, I don't know. Whether we're going to realize the things of the past, I don't know. I can't say that it really matters to me whether I know someone or not when I'm there. I'm just glad to be there and to be in the presence of my God. Well, speaking of heaven, it reminds us about this fourth and final observation, and that is eternity. When I think about being with Christ, it reminds me of the importance of planning for eternity. You know, here we are in the waning days of 2020, as we talked about this morning, and so. Many of you have already had to buy. Most of us have have either purchased or the young people are using their phones, their planners for 2021 to... I was going to say mark your doctor's appointments, but that's those of us who are a little bit older. We're marking our doctor's appointments for 2021, aren't we? But you're marking down whatever dates you're going to go on or things that are going to transpire. And you're planning for 2021, and that's fine. That's what we do as human beings because we have to be responsible with our schedules. But serving God is a decision that we make for a number of reasons. Why do you serve God? And there's a lot of right reasons. There's probably a half a dozen that we can rattle off if we were to choose to go through that exercise. Some of us would say, I serve God because it's the right thing to do. That's a very Jobesque answer, right? Job is the, the one who... Uh, Satan has the conversation with God would he serve God, would he serve you for naught or for nothing or for no no reward would you serve God if there was no heaven if there was no hell well I hope that I would because it's the right thing to do because he is so good which reminds me of a second thing that I would certainly point out that I serve God because he deserves it he deserves all the praise because of the greatness of his creation because of the kindness that he's bestowed upon me But serving God is also done so that we can be with Christ forever. Notice what is written in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 22 beginning. In Philippians 1 and verse 22, he says, If I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit for my labor, yet what I shall choose I cannot tell. For I am hard pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and do what? Be with Christ Which is, by the way, he says, far better. This is Paul's desire, this is Paul's plan to be with Jesus Christ. When we think about with Christ, it reminds us of the importance of preparing for the future. And that is, as we ended this morning, how we end tonight. With that plea, with that begging, with that imploring that you'll become a Christian And plan for eternity. The unfortunate thing is when we plan for all the things that transpire or may not transpire in this life. And never give any thought to the things that are going to happen in eternity. And when that happens, when you're on your deathbed, then you begin to reflect or maybe you continue to reflect on the fact that you focused on all the wrong things when you've not sought out the things that matter in a spiritual point of view. I think all of us have a normal fear of death in the sense that we don't want to go in a painful way. We can go peacefully in our sleep when we're in our and we've said everything that needs to be said. But have you noticed people in the world, people who are not Christians, people who do not share faith, that when they talk about death, there's this great sense of angst that we do not share as Christians because they're concerned about the unknown and we are confident of the things that are known because we have made plans for our eternity. There are so many reasons to serve God, but one of those is I want to prepare for my eternity. And if that's a choice that you want to make tonight... We hope to help you with that. That phrase, with Christ, is to me, and I would argue to you, is inherently comforting. The idea of being with Christ. He's next to me. He's with me. And I can have him in my life while living here on earth, and I can be with him forever. What a wonderful, wonderful concept. But the fact is is being with Christ, it requires our effort. It requires that you die to your sin. It requires having a new perspective on life. But then being with Christ results in great things, which means sharing in God's great blessings and planning aptly for eternity with Jesus Christ. We want to help you plan as well. You know, in this congregation, we are blessed with people who can help you plan financially. can help you plan medically who can help you plan out your meals who can help you plan out all kinds of things this congregation is more richly blessed with people who can help you plan out eternity by using the guidebook and there's no better way to end 2020 and to enter 2021 than saying you know what it's time for me to become a christian It's time for me to say, you know what? No more of this service to self. I've been putting it off long enough. Don't do it because of what your parents say. Don't do it because of what your spouse or boyfriend or girlfriend says. Don't do it because of what a friend says. Don't even do it because necessarily I'm saying to do it. Do it because you care about eternity and because you believe the scriptures. And if we can help you in that. We would love the opportunity. If you want to become a Christian tonight and be baptized, which makes you a Christian, puts you into that kingdom, adds you to that church, we're happy to help you with that. If as a child of God you're not living correctly and you need to make some sort of correction and you'd like for us to pray with you, we would be happy to help you. If we can assist in any way, let us know while together we stand and while we sing.